Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're interviewing a religious demonologist. Just before you get to that though, I just want to say if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes of Paranormal Thoughts, please make sure you're subscribed. Also, if you want to leave us a rating as well, that massively helps. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Jump on over there, give us a like, give us a follow, and you can keep in the loop for every time we post or any sort of bonus bits and pieces. For this episode, you'll definitely want to jump onto our blog, which is over on WordPress. There's a link to everything I'm mentioning right now in the description, but there's a bunch of video and photos that I'm going to upload there that's going to coincide with this episode. So definitely jump on over there and have a look at some of the evidence that we sort of point to throughout this episode. So about two years ago, I interviewed Chris and Harmony DeFlorio, and they are a husband and wife duo over in New York who have sort of found themselves in the demonologist world. And that interview is one of my favorites, actually. I really enjoyed getting to speak with them. They're really open about the whole religious demonology world that they've found themselves in. Since that episode, Chris reached out to me and had mentioned a bunch of other cases I've taken on over the past 24 months or so, and we thought it'd be best to have him back on. Unfortunately, Harmony couldn't join us this time, and to sort of unpack some more of exactly with what they're doing with these exorcisms they're performing. Also, early in the year, I put on my Instagram uh, for you guys to ask some questions as well for a demonologist. So if towards the end of this episode, there's a bunch of listener questions as well. So definitely listen out to that. And hence, that's another great reason to follow the Instagram as well, because you can actually participate in moments like that as well for future episodes. So just before I get any further as well, please listen to the very first episode I did with Chris and Harmony. That episode is titled The Modern Day Ed and Lorraine Warren. You can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. If you haven't listened, I really suggest you stop this episode, go listen to that first because you get a bunch more context. In this episode, we jump in a little bit more because, you know, we've already spent an hour in that previous episode going through a bunch of bits and pieces. So this one is kind of picking up from there and continuing on. 
Thank you again to Chris for taking the time to come on. He's really doing some great work and really helping a lot of people. He's doing some really important work and it's great that he's so open with the paranormal community to better sort of educate and get our heads around exactly what's going on. So with that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you again today. Let's just first of all start off. Obviously, we've done a previous episode. I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this right now have listened to that. But just as a little refresher, can you give us just a snapshot of who you are and also your wife, Harmony, and what you do exactly? Sure. Well, uh, I'm, I am now a retired uh, NYPD police officer. Uh, when we last spoke, I was, act- I was actively working. I recently retired. I work as a, well, a volunteer, I should say, as a religious demonologist now, where we, my wife and I will go into people's homes um, who are, have, uh, you know, some kind of complaint about, uh, let's just make it simple, the house being haunted or they're being haunted physically. And, you know, we go in and we do an investigation. You know, we have equipment. And if we deem it as something demonic, we will then perform uh, prayer rituals to the Catholic faith. And we've been doing that for, I would say it's going on five years now. And um, going back to the last episode, it started years ago after a mission trip in Africa uh, where I saw the possessed man. And when I came back home, it just took over a whole new life in all the ministry work I did. And that's what led into this whole field we're in now today, basically. Yeah, I remember... When we last spoke, it sounded like you really, you stumbled across this, but it was really meaningful. And I feel like we kind of came to the conclusion that you don't necessarily choose to become a demonologist. It's just organically really come about almost like it's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. This, I'll tell you straight out, it's a calling. This is not something I I had any curiosity to do. Uh, I've had many other things I was actually happy doing. But, you know, when that incident did happen in Africa, which led us here and, you know, you you take that moment, you look back at your life, you could see how you were honestly being prepared all the way. And if my life didn't go the way it did, I honestly don't think I would be fit to do this. You know, going from the police training, uh, training as a paramedic, you know, so I can now understand people, um, I can investigate and, you know, being in those stressful places for, for many years, 25 years, stressful um, situations. And, you know, interestingly enough, uh, we just went to Maine and I, I took along uh, one of my investigators, Harmony couldn't make it. And, you know, we were talking about it and he even noticed how easy it is, you know, for me to go into a stranger's home. And I said, well, you know, this is something I was trained for, you know, without even knowing because I've been doing that for 25 years. You're coming in, it's a 911 call, whether it's a paramedic or police, and you're coming into a stranger's home when they need you the most. And I said, it feels like it's just the next step. This is something like I was trained to do and called to do. And, you know, that's really, uh, you know, pretty much how, how how this came along. Yeah, that really is amazing, isn't it? That you've had this entire life, you know, this professional life that really lines up perfectly like you were in a field where yeah you're helping people every day and now you've just branched into a whole other category of that really um you know and it's super important what you're doing now of course as as we were saying i think i think a lot of people 
tend to sort of even have asked me that about, well, how do how do people get in touch and so on with if they think they might have a demonic kind of issue or anything like that. But as you said, uh, making yourself as available as possible, being as public as possible is, I think, just the best thing you could be doing right now. I have a question here. So when we last spoke, you spoke about the three stages of demonic possession. At this stage, I'll get you to rattle off those three stages in just a second. But at that time that we last spoke, you hadn't hit the third stage yet, which was actual demonic possession per se. Can you tell us what the three stages are and have you reached, have you found a case with that third stage yet? Sure. Well, the three stages of demonic activity is uh, infestation. And that is where the house is being haunted. You'll hear, you know, a door slam, objects will move. You'll have, uh, you know, activity like that. And then the second stage is demonic oppression and, you know, it's actually, that can be broken up into also obsession. So you'll have that one, that second stage where you have oppression, where the person is physically being attacked, where they'll have bruises, um, you know, they'll have scratches. And then in that stage, it progresses basically to obsession where now the demon is um, going after their mind. That's, that's the stage where the person's will is now starting to be broken down. So, um, you know, I have many cases where people are saying where they're hearing all these nasty thoughts in, in their head, how bad they are, um, cursing in their head. Um, they're no good. Um, lots of bad stuff. And when that starts to happen, the demon is trying to break down that will. So the person just gives up. And when it gets to that stage and, you know, possession doesn't happen very often. But then it goes to that third stage possession, and that's where the you know the demonic are overtaking the person. Um, now, overall, I don't deal with possessions. If I, if I feel I have one, I'll call um, you know the Catholic Church. Um, I, I was working with a, a Catholic exorcist earlier in the year, um, but I will tell you that I actually stumbled across a couple of cases where. Um, you know, we didn't know, well, I'll tell you the first one we had one basically right after we spoke, uh, in 2021, we had a case in Maine and this was a, a cardio, uh, a cardiovascular doctor in Portland, Maine. And, you know, he, he was having, we, we pretty much thought from what we gathered before we went there that he was maybe at the oppression stage. Um, so when we went there, we did our whole investigation. Uh, he was very, very nice. And actually, you know, there was, it was a friend of a friend. So the friend came with us too. And, you know, and said, you know, this is what's going on in this house. And the, like I said, the, the, we'll call him the CV complainant victim. The CV was very, very nice. I mean, professional, a very, very sweet man, very Gracious, happy we were there to help him do whatever you need to do, everything. And that went on all day. And what happened was that Harmony began to have a conversation with him. Um, so I was in the other room. And, you know, I had recorders going in the house and everything just in case noises get picked up. 
So I left the room for a few minutes. I was in the other room. I come back and I see both of them just sitting there. And I said, what, what's going on? And this man was a different man. He, he was cursing. He was saying, well, you know, what the F are you doing in my house? Why are you here if you can't help me? He was a totally different man. My wife was just bewildered. And, you know, I had to just kind of like, you know, I guess this is where the police training comes in. I had to do, we call it a little verbal judo and just talk everybody down. And we said, okay, we'll just, we'll go back to our hotel tonight. Let us know if you want us to come back tomorrow. So when I listened to this audio, when I got home, because I looked for it, because I knew I had one around there. When my wife was talking to him and she was explaining to him that, um, and I remember she said this, if, if Chris feels that you need more help, he's going to call the Catholic Church to come in. And at that moment, his voice changed. And it went from a normal conversation like this to a very, why are you in my house? You know, that whole, it went, it went down that way. And he actually started cursing a little at her, which was definitely, um, you know, even after speaking to a friend, that was not his character. So that case right there, we knew that we, I said, wait a second, this is really advanced. And so what happened is the next day we came in to do the ritual for the house, the minor exorcism. And, you know, sometimes you, and, and that's where, you know, the spirituality comes in. You really have to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're in this, because you have to just change on the fly. Sometimes it's not just textbook. And so at the end, I started doing specific prayers over him. And long story short, when it was finished, when I finished the prayer, uh, one thing I want to add, this man had many injuries. He had severe injuries with his, with his knees, with his back, um, going back a few years. Um, doctors didn't know what it was. And so when we finished this prayer, he said he, feel, he feels like there is a light shining down on him. He had a, a feeling of peace, relief, and a, a totally different person. Now, what happened was a week or two later, I was speaking with the person that first called us. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, he's a changed person. He wants to go to church. And not just that, he went to the doctors for everything he had and all the illnesses were gone. The doctors could not explain why he had no more pain in those areas. Now, this was something, I mean, this doesn't happen all the time. This is, you know, <laughs> this is one in a, and, and, you know, one in a lot, we'll just say. And, you know, it was just amazing because I really think at that point we were dealing with, and it's a very long case. There was so much more to it um, if we were just talking about that case. But that's one I think we stumbled upon that I think he was, he was in that possession stage. And, um, you know, to, to the glory of God that, uh, this man is free and I still check up on him. Um, and he's actually doing, he's much, much better. He has no more incidents, nothing going on. Well, it's good to hear that you were able to help him. Cause that's, that sounds terrifying, doesn't it? His whole demeanor changing his, his voice. Like that definitely sort of paints that typical picture. I feel like a lot of people have the, like the, the, the sort of thought about what demonic possession is. Like that's, I guess you could almost say textbook in a sense. And yeah, you witnessing that firsthand, like that must have been 
yeah, pretty confronting. Yeah, you, you know, you know what the key was is that when she brought up the Catholic Church, and that's one of the actual signs, you know, that they list for possession as an adverse reaction to sacred objects or the church. So when she brought that up, that's when everything changed on on dime, just like that. So you know, we look for those kind of uh, you know those kind of uh, keys that are going to lead us in the right direction, whether you know we're dealing with. Uh, what stage we're at, if we're actually de- uh, dealing with a demon or a human spirit, this really pretty much knew, we knew what we were dealing with. I'm curious about when someone reaches out to you, obviously every case must have its unique element to it, but is there a typical response you get from people and what what might that be? What What are people usually like typically experiencing when it's not, I guess, what you just um, explained to us then with that man where he was obviously quite far into the whole process. What what would be a typical um, civilian reaching out to you, believing they have some sort of demonic entity? I'll tell you, it's it's not that simple because it does vary with with each person in each case. You know, one person will call and saying that uh, they're hearing noises in the house. Another person will call and say that they're getting beat. They're waking up with bruises. Um, I'm, I'm working a case right now out in Long Island where it, it's it, they're definitely in the oppression stage. Uh, one sister was pushed down the stairs. Uh, the mother's waking up with bruises. They're hearing things. Uh, I'll tell you this, a, uh, a major, I would say, part of the cases I'm dealing with, and it seems to be, I'm trying to link them somehow, but it seems like there's uh, an incubus now, an incubus is, you know, what in layman's terms you just call a sex demon, where they uh, sexually, you know, go after the woman. And I've had a lot of cases with that. That seems to be the majority of what I've been getting over the last year. It all depends. And now and that opens up a whole, you know, another, another uh, list of questions. Because now what you do is you have to find out why that's happening to them. You know, there's always an opening. So, you know, what would link them um, or are they linked? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really does vary from person to person. It, it could be anything from a simple uh, activity in the home to, you know, hearing things to getting uh, physically assaulted. Um, and it, it really doesn't, it, it really isn't uh, one way or the other. It's really a spread out among all the cases. How many of the cases are actually something that you'll take on and you'll find there to be something demonic in comparison to maybe a, a more worldly solution per se? And what typically, when that situation does happen, what are the actual outcomes? Like what what are people experiencing that uh, you can rule out? Sure. I, I've had a few with, I would say, with uh, the elderly. Um, I had one in particular in New Jersey. Um, the woman... Uh, was believing she kept seeing something flying around her room at night, you know, th- th- and that's, these are tough. I mean, because just because we don't, we don't get the evidence or see it doesn't mean it's not happening. So with something like that, you know, we, I, we did a, a very long investigation with the equipment, um, did a lot of prayer and, you know, you got to take into account the age, the medical history, things that are going on. So, you know, what you what you want to do, you know, in something like that is we refer them, you know, keep going to the doctor. And also I never just leave them in on a worldly basis. 
no matter what it is. I'll always end up leading them to the church. So at least a priest can, you know, make his uh, evaluation on the topic. So if I feel it is a worldly, something worldly, like I said, you know, I don't know everything and I'm not going to risk somebody or, or being duped by, by a demonic that there's nothing going on because that happens as well. Um, I'll still send them to the church and make sure that they're evaluated and they speak to a priest. It, it, it's a tough, it's a very tough situation because, um, you know, these people really believe that it is something spiritual and there is something going on. And, you know, we, we just do the best we can to help them in that situation regardless. Now, I can appreciate that, that you don't completely rule anything out. When you do go out to homes or wherever this activity is happening, what equipment do you take with you to get evidence um, to what might be going on there? Uh, I mean, I have I have devices, you know, just to keep it simple, I have devices that uh, will go off if there's a electromagnetic energy around. Um, you'll hear beeping and it'll kind of let you know because with, you know, with uh, the spiritual, with uh, entities, they their energy. Um, even though you don't see them, everything is energy, everything around us, everything. So they will have uh, an area where there is energy being emitted. So, you know, I, I've had plenty, plenty of success with these where they will set it off. Um, I have a, a thermal camera to pick up any heat, heat signatures, cold spots, uh, you know, uh, we have an SLS camera which will um, actually pick up the form of the uh, entity in a basically like a stick figure kind of, um, you know, a stick figure picture on the screen. It basically takes the energy and maps it out. Uh, uses, you know, lights. It's, it's complicated, but it uses light. It sends out lights and they bounce back and it maps out what, um, you know, what it's seeing. And, you know, a lot of people don't believe this works. And you, just, you see this on, you know, uh, Ghost Adventures and all these paranormal shows. Um, but I will tell you, and this is where you really got to, you know, it's a lot of training and it's a lot of you know, investigation and you want to debunk it. So you really, you know, when I use something like that, uh, I use, uh, I gather other evidence around it to confirm if this is, you know, uh, if, if this is legit. And, you know, you have to use, the, use it in the right circumstance. Um, but what I have found is that it has definitely, definitely helped me uh, with these investigations. So I'd love to hear more about some of the cases you've taken on over the last two years or so, especially if there's any with some evidence that we could probably share in the podcast, either audio, visual, because um, I feel like people would really love to get their hands on a bit of that, but it's completely up to you what you'd like to go into detail about because I feel like this is the stuff that people really love to hear, especially when chatting with demonologists. It's just them being out in the field and doing what they're there to do. Well, I'll tell you, 2022, <laughs> there was a lot of you know very good cases and with good evidence that we captured. I would say one of the, one of the big ones, you know, this is that kind of case that you you would think how it happens, um, not just somebody calling saying I'm you know I'm dealing with this for a year or a few months. I get a call one morning from uh, the victim's family member saying you know my sister is in trouble, her and her family's in trouble, 
and they had to leave their house in the middle of the night last night and they're in a hotel right now. And, you know, right away that goes to the top of the list because you, you know, prioritize your, your cases. So I, you know, got in touch with this woman right away and what they were dealing with was, I mean, you know, straight out of the movies, water turning on in the sinks, lights going on and off, um, you know, uh, noises, door slamming, uh, a printer got thrown across a room. So, you know, my wife and I um, pretty much had it over there right away. And so what would happen, what was happening after, you know, interviewing the family, um, the son who was 20 years old was taking the brunt of all of this. It was happening more to him. Like it was singling him out. And what happened, I guess a week before was that he started to develop uh, an inverted cross on his forearm out of nowhere. And I have a picture of that, which I I'll send you. So he starts getting this crossed out. And this is one of the things that, you know, we talk about is that, you know, when you're, you know, an investigator or a demonologist, you're, you're trying to determine what, what you're dealing with. So if it's a human spirit and if it's not a human spirit and it's demonic, what level demon am I dealing with? Because you have to remember there's different rankings, just like the angels in heaven. There was nine choirs of, of angels. There's, you know, nine rankings of demons because they're fallen angels and they don't lose that um, ranking. So they have different strengths. They have, um, you know, armies under them. So what, what are we dealing with? So right away, you know, we kind of knew this, this manifestation, we're dealing with something pretty heavy. But again, you're going in with that mind. And I guess this is the police part of me is that I'm always going in to sit, you know, to debunk it first. I don't just run, you know, go in saying, okay, this, this is, this is real. This is what we have. I'm trying to prove it wrong in my mind, whether that's right or wrong. That's the way I'm wired, you know? Um, I'm trying to find out, you know, how could this have been made up in my head? That's the first thing I'm thinking. And if I can't figure that out, then I start moving to the next stage. So, you know, we saw that he had this inverted cross on his arm. And so he went up into the room. He showed me where all, all this, uh, activity is happening. His printer got thrown across the room one night. The father heard it slam. Um, there was a cross on the brother's wall that came off the wall and was thrown across the room. So we started doing our investigation and, you know, I used the SLS cameras and I picked up a figure right where he was saying and on the other side of the room where he was saying. So, um, as we went on, we, uh, I rem actually, I remember when we were going, when we were going through the house that the alarm actually, um, panic alarm went off in the home. No one touched it. No one had any access to it. And that went off. So we knew we were dealing with, you know, uh, something manifestate, uh, you know, some kind of manifestation there, which doesn't happen all the time. Because I'll tell you, a lot of the times we go and you can hear a pin drop. They, they like to hide. So you got to remember, you're going into this and you're dealing with something that is very intelligent. You know, it's not a, uh, you know, just a non-intelligent with, with uh, just some chaotic energy. You're dealing with something that has been around since the beginning of time and is much smarter than we are. So, you know, you're trying to pick up these little, these little things, these little, uh, let's say little events that, that are happening that maybe they, they're, they're tipping their hand. So when we were doing 
the minor exorcism. You know, we, we go around the house and we're doing it. And when I was up in the bedroom uh, of this boy, uh, my wife is working the camera. And, you know, her job is to make sure that I'm safe too, that I'm, when I'm reading, my head's down and I'm looking, you know, I'm not looking around and that nothing's going to slam me in the head. So when she was filming, she actually got a great, great catch where this fan, now there's a, there's a, a, a stand, a, a, like a square f- uh, fan that was on the floor the whole time. And, you know, it's, it's not automatic. You manually have to turn it on. This fan was going on and off when I was in that room. Now, when we started doing the ritual, it was off. And she caught the blade, you know, it started to move very slow when I was doing a part of the ritual. And so it was telling us that this is very active. There is so much going on in this room. So we did the, we did the whole minor exorcism. And the next I think it was the next night. They, they still didn't stay there that night, but the next day there was still activity happening in the home. It didn't go away. So they go to the church. I send them to the church. They go to the church and the priest prays over them and gives the, the boy a cross to hold. And as he's in the car, the parents are telling me that his hands started to swell from holding this cross. So we knew, and we knew that this was, you know, this thing was picking on him. And and there's a lot more to the story. You know, I can't disclose everything, but I kind of knew this was, you know, why this was happening to him. So they go home and and this is, this is a real good one right here. This will get your hair up on on your arms. So they go back to the house for a minute, uh, the husband and wife to grab some clothes to bring back to the hotel. And the husband's upstairs. The wife is downstairs getting something and the printer turns on and prints out a piece of paper saying, go away, all the way down the paper, just like a movie and all the way down. And I, you know, I, have, I took that paper. I have it all the way down. So they grab what they have. They run out of the house and they're like, that's it. We're done. We're not, we're not going back. So the kid starts feeling worse. Now he's starting to see things. He's saying he could see a figure with a black hood. Uh, I don't know at this point. I'm still going back and forth in my mind. How much is he really seeing? Is it really? Is that part really happening? So, you know, with something like this, I knew that I had to get this family back in the home. I said they can't live in a hotel. And the problem is, you know, you know, not to pick on any any one organization or anything, but you know. It's tough for the church to dedicate all their time to, you know, one situation. They don't do that. So my wife and I made a decision to head back out there. And I said, listen, we're going to stay with, we're going to go back in your home and we're going to stay there overnight with you. So I said, you know what, have your husband stay with us. She stayed at the hotel with the kids. And I did something that I never, I never did before. I said, I said to my wife, I said, listen, I'm not going to stir anything up when I get there. I said, I'm not going to um, do any, another ritual. I'm not going to hook up any equipment. I'm not going to do anything. I said, we're going to go, you know, I I did hook up cameras. I had cameras all around the house and I I had them on my screen. That's it. I said, we're going to go back in this house and we're going to make this home as normal as we can for the husband. You know, it's not going to be the terror they were having. 
for you know a few days, lights going on and off, water, things being thrown. So we went back and we I, I put on like TV. I remember I think I put uh, Ozark on. You know, I said, let's put that on. Let's run that whole series. Let's watch it tonight. And we sat there. You know, they watched it. We had it on. I was watching my cameras all night and nothing happened in the house. So I said, you know, and, and, and even he said the next morning, he goes, this house feels fine now. And I brought the family all back home the next day and they came back to the house and nothing has happened since. Now, you know, that's not something you're expecting me to say, but my whole something was telling me, let's not give whatever's here any energy. Let's ignore whatever's there. Let's pretend it's not even here. Let's not even give it the, you know, if you don't like somebody, you're not going to pay him any mind. Let's not pay any mind to anything. And this thing never came back. But the activity that was going on there, I mean, was straight out of the movies with an inverted cross, you know, in, you know, branded on his arm. Um, many of the other things we had with the lights going on and off, everything. And that was it. In that case, you know, because I, you know, I knew, I knew we were up against something. I wasn't, I, I, I for something was telling me that we would have kept just banging our heads against the wall, you know, with this thing. And for whatever reason, it left and it hasn't come back. So that, that was one. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's incredible. As you said, very, it's like something out of a film. So it must have been pretty terrifying, such vicious behavior, you know, very violent and the fact that just not giving it the attention that it wanted and energizing it did seem to be the the end, which, yeah, you wouldn't expect that, but it makes total sense. It, and, you know, and that's what it is. We were talking about energy. A lot of this is feeding the entity. It's all about energy. You know, 
when they're in that first stage and they're banging things and they're they're scaring you because people get scared, that's fear. And that's what that's what sends these stages into the next one. It's it's giving that energy. And that's what you want to stay away from. And that's what I tell everybody. When I'm in these cases, I said, okay, until I come back, you know, if, if you hear something, even if you hear something later, ignore it. You know, something falls. I said, these are parlor tricks. They're not going to do anything to you. They're, they're doing this to scare you so they can, you know, so you're opening up that door of invitation. And you know what? Don't pay them no mind because they're not supposed to be here. They're not allowed to do these things. So they're looking for that invitation in. And then, you know, we've had some people, and this was last year too, you had some people who were obsessed with trying to catch them themselves. So, you know, we had one, one guy who had tons of activity. He had an attachment and I caught that on camera. I knew he had it. They, you know, it, it, there was a lot to it. Um, but, you know, when I was, when he was walking around with me and I caught this thing at one time, he starts talking to it. And like, and I said, listen, we don't do that. I said, we're not here. This isn't entertainment. We're not here to make friends or talk with these things. We're here to get rid of them. And when I left, you know, I, I talked to uh, somebody I knew who knew this person and they said, no, he's, he has cameras up. Then he was texting me saying, I caught all these orbs. There's thousands of orbs, which were dust. But what he was doing was feeding energy into this, this entity that was there. And, there's, and I told him, I said, there's no way I can get rid of this. There's absolutely no way it's going to leave with this kind of life. You know, they didn't want to go to church. They didn't follow any of my advice. So when, when it comes to something like that, sometimes with those cases, I have to just say, this is all the involvement I can give you because you're not following what I tell you to do. So yeah, energy is a very big thing when it comes to these. It makes total sense if they're completely energy-based and then, you know, you need to feed them that energy with, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. As you said, like that's that's how the law of attraction, you know, you start paying attention, you open yourself up, but that's when you go on to, as we sort of said, that third stage, which is, um, as we heard earlier, it sounds very terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I have one more that I, I did want to share with you. Yeah, please. This one, this one's very, very interesting. I think earlier in last spring, we got called to a house in upstate New York and they were having a lot of issues with the, they were seeing uh, black shadow figures. I have a picture that the victim actually sent me was probably one of the best captures of a black shadow figure I've ever seen. When he was outside walking the dog, he saw it in the bathroom and you could see it. I mean, it's amazing the way this picture. So we went there and the dog was actually being harassed by this, entity. So we went there and as we were there, there was, we, we call it the secret room. We came across this room in the garage that had an, an opening, probably three quarters up the way of the wall. You could take a, a panel out and you can go into this room that the owner who lived there six years never went into. And we have no idea what this room was for. Um, it was all brick with dirt, but there was a sigil. There was some kind of writing on that wall. So, you know, I, I said, there's something to this. So I went in and um, let me tell you, I almost dove through that opening out because uh, the spiders, <laughs> I was waiting for a rat to come in there. That was a scary part of the whole thing. So I went in and it looked like that the sigil was in blood. So we 
you know, same thing. We we did this. Uh, we performed the minor exorcism. We did a lot. They had peace for a little while, and then it started to start up again. So then we went back again, and then everything seemed to be fine. Now, fast forward to September um, of 2022, I get a call from a filmmaker who is doing a documentary in Brooklyn. And he says, listen, you know, I'm doing basically my first paranormal documentary. He says, I'm working with the family, um, they're having, you know, uh, severe activity. And it was basically the mother was, has this gift where she can see these spirits, you know, around her a lot. So he was doing a documentary on it. That's all. But what happened was during the filming, the seven-year-old boy, um, it started to appear to him and he started to have a relationship with this large black figure. Now it was getting worse and worse. The uh, the mother was gaining more evidence, I guess, during this documentary on film. So he called us and he said, "Listen, there, she's tried everything to get rid of this. You know, during this filming, would you and your wife come in and help them out?" So we go to this apartment, you know, one night, and we're, in, you know, I'm interviewing all her, the children, everyone, and. You know, just like I said, this child is playing games with this figure. He's seeing it at night. He's hearing voices. He thinks, and he says, he thinks it's going to kill him. Now, this is a seven-year-old. We do our investigations. You know, we we get some evidence, you know, things that we, you know, we know something's going on there. And as I'm getting the uh, items ready for the ritual, the woman starts screaming and crying saying there's many more coming in right now in this door. And she's crying, saying they don't want you here. They tell they want you and your wife to leave. I said, okay. So we begin the readings. And as I'm reading, the um, the woman says, it's telling me something right now. And it says it's saying, why don't you ask him about his last case? Now that was the that was our last case. Uh the one upstate. I think that was in May at the time, May or June. So that was the last case that I was working, you know, physically working. And so I, you know, I was thinking in my head, okay. And then she goes, he's, it just keeps saying, you know, ask him how his last case went. So I said, okay. Now I haven't heard from them, you know, in months. So we did the, you know, we, we performed the ritual and it, it did get very hairy actually. Um, it, we felt like there was a lot of activity during the cleansing. Um, my wife and I both mentally got attacked. Um, but when we finished, you know, she said, you know, she feels a lot of relief. And, you know, when we left, we get into the car and Harmony says, uh, don't you remember? I said, what? She goes, when we were driving here, you know, your phone was ringing. I have two separate phones. I have a phone just for the cases for this work. She goes, that phone was ringing. So I said, let me look at it. And it was that uh, gentleman from that case upstate. I said, you got to be kidding me. So I, I immediately dialed the number and I said, hey, uh, how's, how's everything going? He goes, terrible. He goes, it came back today. And he goes, it's bad. So I said, you know, I said, you got to be kidding me. So whatever was in, and this is, 
you know, this is something that doesn't happen a lot, but this was connecting these two cases. So, you know, we obviously the next weekend jump in the car, head back upstate. I go in, I do more digging around that, that secret room and I start going around the house and right up where we saw that black shadow in that picture on my camera, there's a huge, huge figure. I mean, huge. And just as big as that shadow, you know, should be. And, you know, I, I immediately start going after it in there, doing the ritual, um, you know, praying, holy water, incense. And when I get downstairs, there's activity down there. And I have out my, uh, you know, the device that picks up the energy, electromagnetic energy. And when I had that down, I don't do this often. I don't speak to what's there. And I always tell people they shouldn't. But the way I was looking at it was basically as a, an exorcist in a possessed case where he's talking to the demon through the person. You know, they're calling it out. What's your name? How did you get in? Well, I said, and, you know, whether it was good judgment or not, I said, Is this, are you the one that was calling me out in Brooklyn? And the meter started going off like crazy. So we knew right there we're dealing with, you know, and going back to what I was telling you, there's a hierarchy of these demons. And they're not just running around not knowing what's going on. They're all working together. They don't like each other. They don't really care for each other, but they're doing it as a hatred for God and a hatred for man. So they're working together. And so, you know, we had to perform the, the ritual. I haven't heard anything, but it was very interesting. You know, when you go to a case and they're saying, ask him how his last case went, you get in a car and a guy goes, yeah, I came back today. Right there, you know, you're on there. You're on the radar for these demons. You know, they know all about what's going on with you. And that was pretty hairy. And that's actually coming out in a, in a documentary. I think he's releasing it um, probably this year. So we ended up being that documentary. You know, that's not usually how I do a case, but we're going there to help the person. And I go in, this camera's rolling, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just going to block them out. Um, but yeah, he caught stuff on on video too, this filmmaker. It's amazing. Just, I never would have thought there would be this connection between a previous case. And then, yeah, as you said, the activity coming back, like, yeah, there's definitely, that's very malicious, isn't it? And intelligent. It's, yeah, that goes far beyond I guess, yeah, what you typically believe, like, as you said, there's a, they're working together to cause chaos. And that's, that's frightening to think, I, I suppose, that these aren't just isolated incidents like they can be, but they could also be more at play, a bigger overall picture. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what it is. It's not, I think I mentioned this last time I was on, you know, it's not a, a very, and I don't believe this for a second, that it's a very big um, unorganized universe. I believe that you have these evil um, entities, demons, whose sole goal is to, you know, end us. They want to destroy us. They want to keep us from God. They want to destroy our families. They want to hurt us. And that's what they're always trying to do. And, you know, luckily for us, there is a leash on them and they can't just run around. Otherwise, they would kill every one of us, but they can't. And that's what I'll tell you. They can't. They can tempt us. They can they can try to throw little thoughts on our heads to do things we shouldn't do, but they cannot come in like these three stages that we're speaking about tonight unless there is some form of invitation, whether it's intentional, 
um, through the victim inviting it in or a curse or even the unintentional, as we were saying, like uh, maybe a lifestyle, you know, something with the energy, your, your, your energy you're admitting out there, drawing it in. So, you know, we can control at times how bad the activity does get, but they are working together. Um, you know, they're constantly on maneuvers, constantly, you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I tell people you don't want to get into this and they really don't because I can't, you know, find help if, you know, I tried because, and, and, and they're smart. You should not get into this if you are not prepared. You know, if somebody has a small child and have children, I don't even let them, you know, come to a lecture. I don't, you know, uh, I keep them away from this because this really isn't isn't for kids. This is actually something very serious. We're not going there to just find evidence. We're going into battle for these people. And you could, you know, you could take a hit sometimes. So you really have to be careful. Yeah. Now, most definitely. Once again, you sound, you and Harmony sound like the perfect people to be going into these situations because you know what you're up for. You've had previous experience in life that sets you up uh, perfectly for this work. And yes, the thing, it it does sound like quite a dangerous situation to be putting yourselves in, but you're doing it to help people because they're probably at their, their wits end, you know, it's kind of the last resort. That's that's must be the hardest thing that you, these families or these individuals are experiencing just these terrifying events and I mean, there'd be a lot of shame within that, right? Because people are going to try to discredit them, you know, not believe them. But, you okay. know, and it's, it's a big thing to then eventually find you guys. And I guess they have to put their faith in you that you're there to do the right thing as well. You know, it's it's such a difficult situation to be in. And this is the same thing with a lot of paranormal um, events that seem to happen. There's just that the thing of people just not believing. So a lot of people, you know won't um come forward and they'll live with the like the guilt and the shame of you know having things happen that they just can't explain you know so yeah i think that's just a really interesting thing to touch upon that this stuff is it's very serious you know i think there's um reason to have not so much fear around it but just caution i suppose um exactly. yeah it's it's just something that you don't particularly want to play with and that, that's just what i say to people it's like you just have to be really respectful of things that you don't understand as you said like these things are as old as time you know they're far smarter than you so if you think you can um outdo something that you know for all we know just kind of knows everything knows everything about you in a glance you know knows your weaknesses um then yeah it's it's pretty much a fight you're not going to win very easily you know especially um by yourself yeah i just think that's a very interesting point that you bring there and i think it's something that people should really take away is it's fine to have interest in this stuff but you know really think twice before going and trying to get your have your own experiences within this because it's just it does sound it just does not sound worthwhile you know i think you're just better off looking from afar that's exactly it you hit it around the nose. Have respect for what's going on. And I tell everybody, you know, curiosity is a bad thing. You know, don't come after this if you're curious. Stay away. Um, go on with your life. And like you said, you know, you got to be very cautious. A hundred percent. 
uh, I would love so thank you so much once again for telling us about those cases. Those, that was incredible. You know, it's definitely sounds like you've uh, the heat has been turned up on some of the stuff, and I'm assuming you know this is still early days. It's frightening to think what else you are probably going to come across um, in your lifetime. Even just you know once again going back to these two cases linking, you know, like how many more times could that could that potentially happen? You know, it's it's yeah. very. It's I mean I can't. As from a selfish kind of point of view, I can't wait to hear what else is going to happen because it's just, I feel like this is some really great uh, insight to the whole demonic possession um, phenomena, you know, because I just feel like it's so hard to really pinpoint exactly what's going on. You know, as you said, a lot of it is somewhat underground, you know, there's not a ton of people willing to speak about this um so it's i think it's just great for people to get an understanding but i'd love to ask some listener based questions sure Sure. um because i feel like this is probably one of the this would have to be one of the topics where i feel like people have the most questions just because it's so unique and you know it's i feel like it's top of mind for a lot of people when it does come to the paranormal because it's, it's some of the most frightening sort of activity that sort of comes around and it very much so it plays into a lot of aspects of the paranormal as well, very um, from a spiritual religious sense as well, um, right through to, I mean, I have a question here about like sleep paralysis and even um, a potential cryptid and so on. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to just pick your brain about some of these. This one is from um, agency underscore tattoo. So, I feel like I'm going to know your answer to this, but we'll just see. So they're asking, do all possessions have evil intent? Do all poss- Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no reason to be possessed, you know, to have your spirit overtaken unless it's for evil intent. Because, again, my answer is going to be that it's nothing good that's coming into you. This is a demonic entity, a fallen angel whose goal is to take over your body and, you know, for, for evil to destroy your life. And again, you know, it's always, it's through evil that a person is possessed. So, you know, the, you know, the, the, the short answer is, yeah, it's no good. You know, possession is no good. Um, you know, I, I'm actually about to start a case, actually, that a woman um, years ago was, uh, she was at a party and the person was a, uh, was into Santeria and had her drink this, this drink something that he did some ritual with and she started to act as if she was possessed. Now, something could have came right into her. And ever since then, her life has been terrible. She's hearing 20, 30, 40 voices in her head. Um, this is this is one we're about to start up. So, you know, there's nothing good that comes from it. Yeah, most definitely. As you said, there's no reason for them to possess for anything other than evil intent. And to, um, So this one's from Bailey. Do you try to carry on conversations with demons or just speak directly to them? Like, do you ever give... The, do you ever have the invitation to hear what they have to say? I mean, you've already kind of said you don't converse with them so much, but is it kind of just 
you're there, you do what you need to do, and that's it? Or have there been situations where there has been contact? Yeah, like I said, I, I don't, I, I make sure I try not to deal with this, but uh, there, there was one that I did not speak about, and it was with a young woman who uh, believed she was possessed. And the thing with this case was is that nobody would help her. And the third time I was seeing her, the next day she was leaving for uh, another country. So we met up with her, and I actually, you know, was kind of like forced to kind of try to do uh, some kind of, you know, some kind of exorcism. You know, it's either you know you try. Or I'm sending this woman on her way to a, a country that they don't speak English and she's not coming back and she's not going to get the help she needs. So we did do that. And it actually, when I was, you know, starting the, the rosary, um, she started to manifest immediately and uh, a voice started coming from her. And, I, and at that point, I did question it. And, you know, uh, basically, you want to know the name because you want to gain control by gaining a name, you gain control over the entity and you want to know how it came in. Because again, like I was saying, there's always an opening or an invitation. And these are the keys at times to getting rid of it, to cast it out. So yeah, generally I don't, but again, you never know what you're, what you're going to walk into. Sometimes it's just going to happen and you got to make a decision, you know, um, Am I going to help this person? Is this a situation where I need to address this now or can it wait? That was one situation that I couldn't wait. And yeah, so you will. There are times you will speak to it. I feel like this question leads on quite well from that. This is from Thomas Stott 86 Out of all the demons, which one would you find worse? And I suppose, have you come across a particular name of an entity that maybe there's research about who is kind of, you know, one of the big bads, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last show. I don't remember. But yeah, there, there is one. Um, and it was in that case in Connecticut that they did the, uh, the newscast on. Uh, the demon was uh, Marbus. And this was a demon in, in folklore, you know, going back centuries. And this is where I was telling you about, you know, the hierarchy. And I believe he's the fifth president of hell, they call him, with 200,000 soldiers under him, things like that. Um, so this was, a, this was a sigil a sigil that was on the wall, um, and a, a witch was conjuring. And what happened was the family who lived there was dealing with this demon. Um, there's a lot to that case because, uh, yes, this demon actually presents to men uh, as a lion. And that's the case where we had the roaring going on around the house when we were doing the, uh, the Catholic prayers. So this demon we were dealing with. And again, if, you know, if you, if you're going out of the book with what kind of demon this is, you know that he has a lot of soldiers under him and you can be dealing with this for a very long time. And, uh, yeah, this was a, a very specific demon. This was probably the only case I've had where it's a specific demon that I, I can recall. Yeah, fascinating. I do, I mean, anyone who hasn't listened to that first episode, I highly suggest you go and listen to that because that Connecticut case is very fascinating and we play some audio too that you captured like that roaring sound and it's very, it's very eerie. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was something. 
Yeah. No, most definitely. It was one thing for you to be telling me about it and then to hear the audio afterwards and get to insert that in. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really, um, it just really cements it because you get an idea in your mind about what that could actually be. Then when you do, when you're confronted with that, you're like, wow, this is, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah, I feel like people can take themselves very lucky to not have to come across anything like that in their lifetime, you know? Exactly. It was, that's one for the, that's one that really, uh, you know, one, uh, one for the books. That's all I could tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is an interesting one. So this one is from GT1 underscore LU and they've asked, is sleep paralysis a demon attack, especially when you can feel and hear something touching or talking to you? And that's a great question because there's a lot of debate on that. A lot of demonic attacks have been dismissed to sleep paralysis um, you know, they try to, I guess, talk it away with science. Now, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I did look, I did research this topic a lot because sleep paralysis is something basically it's a, a mechanism, you know, your brain, uh, shuts down your body basically when you're sleeping. So say you're being chased in your dream, you're not, you don't run out, you know, run out of your bed into the street and get hit by a car. So so what it does is it shuts everything down. And what happens with some people is they wake up and during the stage, now they can't move their feet. They can't move their legs. And so, you know, uh, doctors will tell you it's just a medical situation. Now, the thing with that is what's interesting is that everybody who has some kind of uh, activity like this, you know, when we get a call, it's always there's always a demon or some kind of uh, horrific figure involved in it. So why would there be a consistent uh, evil entity, you know, with the with the situation? So that's what I usually use to figure out what's going on, as well as you know the history of the case. Um, you know, and this happens a lot with. Uh, incubus attacks with women you know the demon comes at night and they're paralyzed and they're being assaulted and they can't move and some people say sleep paralysis but you know sleep paralysis is not just uh, a situation for something uh, uh, a nightmare so why what is what is the connection and i don't see it so sure uh, you might have sleep paralysis at times but when people are telling me that there is something on their chest and something assaulting them and they can't move and they can't breathe. You know, I'm not going to look at it from the medical aspect at first. Yeah, it is interesting that with sleep paralysis, people do typically experience a very similar entity or the whole thing about it, even though, yes, there is definitely a scientific element to it that can be, but I feel like it, it is almost, it's like a Band-Aid on a far greater wound a lot of the time where people can just discredit what you're saying because of it. But it's still an interesting thing that why are people subconscious, that subconsciously viewing these entities, these beings, you know, because there's a lot of research into sleep paralysis having a big part in alien abduction phenomena as well. And then, you know, of course, going back sort of more so through the demonic kind of thing where these entities are sitting on people's chests. It's interesting how... It, ha- it seems like it's kind of gone through the entirety of man, per se, or the sort of modern sort of um, literature of it anyway. 
And yeah, it just sometimes you just start to think, well, I don't know. It does seem like there could be far more going on than what people are maybe just trying to answer it to. But I mean, I can't speak from experience. I've never had sleep paralysis, but I have done a fair bit of research into it. And as as we were kind of saying earlier, it probably is a case by case. You know, if you're also then having other activity um, happening to you, then yeah, you probably could draw a bit more of a line to maybe there is some um, demonic activity taking place. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. You got to take it case by case, you know, do your homework and, you know, you'll you'll get to the bottom of it. So this is from Harry underscore Reed. Why do people summon demons or worship them? What's the benefits in their eye typically? Well, these are people who, you know, don't believe in God. They don't worship God. And they'll go to demons because they believe demons will give them all the worldly pleasure. You know, they summon them for health. They summon them for money, for fame. And so people will believe that, you know, that they're going to either work for them or they're going to be their friends. And, you know, I remember actually reading, um, I forgot, I think it was uh, Father Amorth. He wrote in a book, uh, he was uh, the Vatican exorcist. He wrote that that is the biggest uh, misunderstanding of people, especially witches, who who do these kind of uh, summoning, these conjurings, because in the end, they all the demon always turns on the person that conjured them up. It's always just a, a way to it's that invitation we talked about. They're welcoming them in, into their lives, into the world, and sure, they may give them these things, but it will never ever end up good for them. And many, many times they will end up in the office of the exorcist needing an exorcism. So, um, again, it's the worldly pleasure, you know, of of why they would go to a demon. And again, it's not something anybody should play with or, or even think about. I've got one last one for you. This is from Facey Rose, and they've asked, what activities slash things attract them? How do people get introduced to these demonic entities? The person has to be looking for them. You know, that's that's a big question because sometimes you're, you know, you're not looking for it. You're going to a house that you just bought and, you know, there's, some, there's a demonic entity in there from the prior owner, um, something on the land from years ago. Um or they're conjuring them up. People can attract them through a negative lifestyle. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, find these demons into your life. But, you know, you got to remember you're talking to a religious demonologist. What I would tell you is it's faith in God that will protect you. It's nothing my wife and I do. Um, it's, it's faith. And it's only God that can protect you because... God created everything. He even created the demons. So he has control over them. And at the end of the day, and this is what I tell uh, the victims in my cases, at the end of the day, it's God who really determines how this is going to turn out. And, you know, our job and their job is to be faithful and seek him out. So that's what I tell them. Yeah, that's a really interesting answer. As you said, it's not you or Harmony specifically. You're kind of like the vessel in a sense, you know, you're, 
kind of just arranging, you're getting them in a position that is going to get the best outcome, I suppose. So that's really, that is really interesting. How many, this is my own question, and I may have even asked this the last time, but how many are the cases you're taking on people involved religious prior to this activity happening? And then what's the chance of them actually continuing with faith after the experience as well? Well, I would say a good amount um, have, you know, they're, they're in the faith. And that's, you know, and that's, an, that's another tough question because, you know, coming from the Catholic worldview, Christian worldview, you know, just a profession of faith is not faith. You know, anybody could say they believe and, you know, it's really determined in their own lives. So, you know, they can come, you know, with a religious background, but are they really practicing? You know, are they really following with the church, you know, the, the church guidelines, the relationship with God? But I will tell you this, that the majority, without a doubt, are all, you know, getting themselves involved uh, with their religious faith after we're done, because that's, that's always part of, you know, the aftercare I speak about, about, you know, um, keeping it away, keeping whatever was there away and, and, you know, running to God for protection and relationship. So, you know, most of them do listen and, and, you know, follow our advice to seek the church. Yeah. Well, it makes total sense that it's, it's not just like a one and done, you know, you've, yeah. you've lost this entity. It is, it does sound like it's something that could come back at any time and you just try to avoid that. And potentially after you have gone through it once, maybe it's even easier for possession to happen again, you know, because you've, you've had that. I'm, I'm not, I'm percent sure, but uh, yeah, it does seem like something that if you've had it happen, you probably want to try to do everything to avoid it happening a second time as much as possible. Well, I'll say this, Dylan, one last thing is that you hit it right on the nose. You made me, you reminded me of something. One of the last things I do tell people is exactly that. I tell them when Jesus was casting a demon out of a, a person, he told them, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cast this out. And a demon goes and wanders the earth looking for somewhere to go. And G, what Jesus does is he, he empties out that uh, space with a demon. He cleans up the person, makes it all nice, clean, clean and tidy. But he says this, if you don't fill yourself with God, that demon's going to come back looking again. And if he finds that space empty, he's going to come back with seven friends that are worse than him. And you're going to end up worse than you were before. And I use that actually with the homes as well. I said, listen, we'll come. We'll, you know, by the grace of God, get rid of what's here. But it's your duty to fill this home now with God and the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't, like you said, it's going to look to come back. And if he finds that there is nothing here, he will bring, bring more friends and you will end up worse now, you know, worse now than you were at the beginning. If anyone listening right now wants to get in touch with you, uh, they have any questions or they might like you to take on a case, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on, on media, uh, Facebook under my name, uh, under New York Demonic Investigation, or we have a dedicated phone number, 516-778-3324. Amazing. Well, an open invitation for you and Harmony to come back on. It would be great to sort of just catch up 
every so often and hear more about your your experiences because it's I don't know I feel like as we said it's still very early days and who knows what <laughs> who knows yeah. what's going to come around the corner right well, yeah you got it yeah no no thank you I'd love to we'd love to come back well there you go there is our interview with a religious demonologist as Chris mentioned, you can get in touch with himself in Harmony. I put a link in the description of this podcast so you can go find them there. I loved getting to this episode and I'm definitely going to stay true to my word and we can catch up with them maybe in another two years and kind of see where they're at. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed that and I look forward to seeing you in a future podcast really soon. Thanks. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.